Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Still got the ranch down in Texas, and um, whenever we were living out there, I had some quail hunters come in, and... Anyway, the first day they were out there hunting, and by the way, if you if you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Now, don't get all spooked or nothing like that. We ain't going to be talking about blood moons or nothing like that. We're just going to be talking about Jesus a little bit. So, uh, But anyway, down at the ranch, I had some quail hunters come in, and these quail hunters, uh, oh, and by the way, it will be perfectly fine if you laugh and smile and enjoy yourself today. So this is not a funeral. Uh, had some quail hunters come in. The first day they went quail hunting, man, the wind blew. I know y'all in Wyoming don't know nothing about blowing wind. Good grief. We Last time we came down here, we went home. I've never seen wind blow so hard as it blew in Wyoming. Y'all are double tough. I guarantee you that. But anyway, the wind was blowing down there. Nothing compared to like up here, but it was blowing. You know, those big old blue quail would take off, and I mean, they wouldn't land from here to Marbleton and everything. And they didn't get a shot off, but these were some Cajuns that had come all the way from Louisiana to hunt blue quail. And so anyway, I talked to them that evening, and I was like, well, did y'all, were y'all able to get anything? And of course, I can't speak in no Cajun accent, and if I did, it would be a travesty. But anyway, they said, no, we didn't do that, but we found us some big old jackrabbits, and we shot, we shot them, and so they had a good time. But I told them, I said, you know what, y'all come back tomorrow, the wind will die down, y'all go get you some quail. And they said, okay, man, we appreciate that. And so they came back on Sunday, and they went and hunted all day and all this stuff. And so anyway, they dropped by, and they said, well, what are you going to charge us for this extra day? I said, y'all didn't even get to shoot at a quail, man. Y'all paid for your first day just take it you know and everything and so they came up and they were like thank you and all that and one of them said this i'll never forget it he was standing there and he's like hey you want to hunt some alligators i was like well yeah <laughs> i mean who wouldn't want to hunt an alligator right so you know immediately i started thinking you know man what are we going to be doing we're going to have some bows and arrows we're going to be in a tree stand or you know i don't know how you hunt no alligators this is before swamp people came on tv i was swamp people before swamp people was cool and um anyway so i said said, yeah, when is it? And they said, oh, it'll be next year. I was like, you know, I mean, people are nice. They're like, hey, you want to go alligator hunting? But they're going to forget a year later and and all of that. And so, uh, I needed those levels okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> so I said, yeah, I want to go alligator hunting. And so we got down there and uh, time rolled around to go alligator hunting. And sure enough, they called. They're like, hey, man, you still coming? I was like, well, yeah, man, I thought y'all were just kind of being nice and everything. So this West Texas Cowboy, we loaded up and we drove to Morgan City, Louisiana. We spent the night and got up like, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning to go hunt gators and everything. And so we we get down there, the guy that had arranged the the, the quail hunt and everything, we get down there. And he said, oh, man, you're going to burn up if you wear britches. Because I was kind of dressed like this to go alligator hunting. He's like, no, man, you got to put on some shorts. We're not even going to get into how scary I am in a pair of shorts. And so, anyway, I put on some shorts, and I put on some little old, little old sandals and everything because we were getting in this flat-bottom boat. And they said, okay, you're going to go with you know Joe Boo over here. I don't remember what his name was or anything. I couldn't understand a word that man said. I just kind of nodded my head like, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, I got in the boat with him and everything. There was a guy up front and there was me and there was this guy in the back. He was driving the boat. And I'm still wondering how we're going to hunt alligators. And that guy was like, hey, hey, cowboy, cowboy. I turned around and he hands me a 22. He's like, you shoot. I was like, all right, I would get to shoot an alligator. And I still don't know how we're going to get all this done. And so we pull up to this deal, and there's a rope hanging from a tree, and you can see the rope moving underneath, or, you know, kind of in the water like this. 
They're like, oh, we got our first gator. And so this guy in front, he reaches down, he pulls the gator up, and I mean, this thing's about six foot long. He pulls it up, and they say, shoot him in the head. And so I'm standing, you know, from about here to that Bible right there, and they're like, no, get up there close to him. So I was like, like this? <laughs> no, get down there. And there's like this little spot right behind their, there's a flat plate on their head, and there's a little soft spot right behind their head, and you've got to shoot that 22 bullet right there in that gator's noggin. Now, this thing is not happy because he's got a fish hook in his mouth about like this. And so this guy's holding him. He's doing the death roll trying to get away. And the Cajun guy in the back is yelling and cussing at me and Cajun saying, Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him! And I'm like, <laughs> I just start shooting and finally they have to take the gun away from me and show me how to do it. And basically they just go up there and they just put it right against the head and shoot. So to fast forward, we're in a 16 foot flat bottom boat. And the last gator we put in there that morning before we went to dump the gators, we were in a 16-foot boat, and we had 19 alligators in the boat with us. I was, it was piled full. I mean, we're driving down, and the water line is like this far below the edge of the boat. And they're just, I mean, they're all happy. Oh, we got some gators, and I'm, I'm freaking out, because I'm sitting, that guy's up there, this guy's back here, and guess who gets to sit with the alligators? Skinny cowboy. I guarantee you I was, <laughs> but you know, one, one thing, you get down there in them swamps, you know what, I have been turned around in some pastures, any cowboy has ever gathered cattle on a big place, you've been turned around at one time or another, maybe for a couple of seconds, maybe for a couple of hours, but y'all got mountains up here, it, it's easy to get turned around, but them swamps, I'm telling you man, they all look the same, they all got big old snakes, and they all got mosquitoes the size of buzzards. And it was crazy. I mean, I was lost and out of my element, cruising around. And have you seen those big old fish that jump out whenever you go down the, the deal? They, they like shoot them with bow and arrows. There was those things. It was crazy. We were completely out of our, uh, our element. But what I couldn't believe was the sheer power of these, of these alligators. I mean, it is, it is a little bit somewhat intimidating. I mean, I'm a big fella, so I ain't scared of much. But you put a 12 foot alligator in a 16 foot boat, and he's sitting there looking at you. Now, he got a bullet in his head, but still, it, you, you start feeling a little, oh, little bit weak. But, you know, I was so out of my element. You can ask my wife. I, when I get out of bed, there's just something that I do. My feet are the tenderest part of my entire body, and I roll out of bed into my cowboy boots, and then I take off. And I, you know, I don't even like walking on carpet. And so I was in a pair of sandals, and there's leeches. I mean, there'd be leeches on the alligators and stuff, and they'd be falling off in there. And they're wriggling towards you, and you pick them up and throw them out, and it was way out of my element. But anyway, the last gator that we put in there, okay, we got them piled up in this boat. And this thing's about 10 or 12 foot long. This is a big, big gator. I mean, his like nostrils were like this far, not, you know, side to side and everything. And we had to shoot him I, probably two or three different times and everything. They put him in the boat and everything. And he's sitting there and he's just looking at me. And you just kind of looking down like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And, then, and finally I asked him, I said, hey, uh, I don't know nothing about gator, but I think this one's still alive. And they said, why? And I said, because he's looking at me. They said, oh, he's looking at you? I said, yeah. He said, well, he's still alive because if their eyes are open, they're alive. And I said, well, this one's looking at me, and he's looking at my leg like it's a vanilla-colored gummy worm. And so I'm sitting there and everything, and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. And then all of a sudden, this I'm not kidding you, this gator is 12 inches from my feet laying right there because he kind of slid off the top of the pile, and I'm sitting over on one side. And he opens his mouth and tries to bite me. Now, this gator, he's got a 22 bullet in his head. So it was, it was kind of like in slow motion. He opens his mouth 
And he leans over. And I pulled the octopus maneuver. I inked on him. And, um, no, I didn't ink. I felt like it, though. I was scared I was going to ink. And so, anyway, I was like, hey, 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 hey. And they're like, oh, he's okay. He's got a bad headache. And I said, he's trying to eat my foot. And they're like, oh, he's okay. And so the gator shut his mouth and he got down. And this happened like two or three more times. And finally, I was like, guys, this isn't cool. And he said, oh, quit your whining, you sissy. And he pulls out the gun and starts shooting in the boat. Boom, 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 into this gator this far from my feet. And I was like, what are you doing? Please refrain from firearms into the bottom of the boat in the middle of the swamp. Not cool. He laughed at me. He said, oh, don't be scared. Just sit there. And anyway, so he shoots him three or four more times in a little tender spot. And the gator is still looking at me. There is no wonder those things have survived as long as they have. And so anyway, he starts to open his mouth again. I said, hey, 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 hey. He's opening his mouth again. And I said, just put your foot up and close his mouth with your foot. I said, you want me to get closer to the dragon? And they said, yeah, don't be scared. Don't be a sissy. I think that's what they said. It sounded something like that. So I pick up my sandaled foot, which is now sunburned and looks like a lobster, and I push the gator's mouth down, and I sit there, and I hold it for another hour and a half as we go through the swamp. And he's still looking at me, and he was still looking at me whenever we pulled in, and I skedaddled out of that boat faster than you can shake a stick. In Revelations chapter 12, there's kind of a similar situation, if you believe it or not. In Revelations chapter 12, the Bible tells us of another dragon's demise. The Bible refers to him as the accuser of our brethren. It says brethren, but that's just a fancy word for brothers. The Bible refers to him as the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night. This dragon, this gator that we're talking about, this serpent, was none other than the devil. And his job up until this point was he sat there and did nothing but accuse us and point out all of our wrongs before God each and every day. And then he was cast out. It also called, the Bible also calls him the deceiver of the world, but no longer is he our accuser because he has been cast down. We have been, you know, it does no good for him to accuse us anymore because we have been made right with God because of his son. We are not right because we're good Christians. I can't stand the term good Christians because if there's a good Christian, then that means that there must be a bad Christian and there are no good or bad Christians. There are only saved Christians. We have been made right with God, not by anything that we do, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so even if the devil was still up there accusing us, the Bible said, God said himself, I will remember their sins no more. So when the devil goes to accuse us, God says, I don't know what you're talking about because they believe in my son. All their sins, past, present, and future have been wiped clean. That old chalkboard with all your right, all your wrongs on it, man, it's been just scraped off and thrown away. And God only sees His Son's perfection. And that's why it's so important for us to call on Him as Lord and Savior. I will remember their sins no more. But the Bible says that Satan was cast down out of heaven, no longer able to accuse us before God. But how did he do that? He was, the Bible uses a term called, he was overcame. What does overcome mean? You, you know, you, we, we hear that word a lot, but I don't think we actually stop at one word and say, what does overcome mean? Overcome means total victory. It doesn't mean you won by just a smidgen. It doesn't mean that, you know, you, you caught one, one horn and you fished the other loop on, man. You snagged it first try, perfect loop every time. Overcome means total victory. Overcome means no doubt 
of the outcome. Never in doubt. Overcome means that the other person is defenseless. They have no defense whatsoever. It means absolute success. Never a doubt. And it means overwhelming annihilation. You think about that. When the Bible says that Satan was cast down, that he was overcome, it means that he, we had total victory, no doubt of outcome, defenselessness, absolute success, and overwhelming annihilation. And in verse 11, Revelation chapter 12, and verse 11, it says this. And they overcame him. It's fixing to tell you how that was done. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the message of God, and they were willing to give up their lives. That's what it says. That's how Satan was cast out of heaven, never to be entered into again. He was cast down, and the three ways that he was overcome, totally annihilated, absolutely successful in kicking him out, was by the blood of the Lamb, by the message of God. Some of your versions may say the testimony, by the power of their testimony, the saints' testimony, and by the, uh, and that they weren't willing, that they were willing to give up their lives. Or your version might say something that they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. What does that mean? The blood of the Lamb. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb, I'm telling you what, the blood of the Lamb was that bullet into that brain. Rendered him powerless. That doesn't mean that he couldn't open his mouth. It couldn't mean he couldn't look you in the eye. It didn't kill him, although it could have. It didn't kill him, but it rendered him powerless. Absolutely rendered him powerless. The three things they overcame him by, the blood of the lamb, which is the bullet to the head, and the message of God, which is the good news. You know what? I get so sick and tired of hearing uh, Christianity spoken away that doesn't make you feel good. And I'm not talking about just saying that God's going to answer all your prayers if you want a new daily pickup. All you got to do is name it and claim it and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the good news that everything that you have to do to get to heaven has already been done in Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is follow him and he's going to lead you right to it. That's it. He's done everything. Our job is just to get in there behind him. Like, you know, if I was riding out with Leon out there to check cows and, or riding with, with Lee, you know, they know where they're going. I'm just going to follow them. I'm going to listen to them. They're going to point some things out. Hey, man, this is cool over here. This is cool over here. That's the good news. All we got to do is just ride with God. It really is as simple as that. And if you hear anything that makes you feel bad, it's not authentic Christianity. The message of God, willing to give up their lives. The willing to give up their lives is, you know, I'm so sick and tired of, of you know, we, we shouldn't be sissies, you know. I mean, whenever you're sitting there with the devil and the gator is right there, a lot of people just turn and run. We don't have to turn and run anymore. But in verse 9, let's back up two verses. In verse 9 of Revelation chapter 12, it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. He's called the deceiver. No longer is he able to accuse us before God. He's not there anymore. God says, I ain't going to listen to your, your accusations against my kiddos. No more. I'm going to throw you out of here. You had perfection. You were able to live here with the other angels. But you know what? You messed up. I'm going to throw you down there. And you know what? Satan is ticked off. He's mad. Why is that? Why is he so mad at us? The reason he's so mad is, did you know that Jesus came? And died for us. He did not die for the redemption of the angels. 
He only died for us. But why is he mad about that? Because we did the same thing Satan did. We chose to follow ourselves. We have we had pride and we have rebelled against God. That's what sin is, is in a rebellion against God. We did the same thing Satan did, but God loved us so much that he sent his boy down here to die for us so that we could get back into heaven and there is no redemption for Satan. So what does he do? He tries to attack the image of God, which is us, because man and woman were both made in the image of God. It's kind of like throwing darts at a photograph. You may not be able to beat somebody up, but you can sure throw darts at it. How about hurt the ones that God loves? He loves us so much. The Bible says so. We learn that. And, and, and you know, if you went to church as a little bit old kiddo, you learn Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The devil hates us. But no longer is he our accuser, but now he's our deceiver. The devil's schemes are to deceive you because that's what the Bible says. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Have you been deceived? I think we all have. I know we all have. The devil's schemes are to deceive us. He will try to confuse you and think that you don't know where you're going. Well, if you've called on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know where you're going even if you don't really know the next step. Think about this right here. You know, I gave my heart to God as a teenager, but it was many, 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 many years later that I gave my life to Him. But you know what I can do? Even in that time between when I gave Him my heart and whenever I gave Him my life, whenever I was like the prodigal son and I was going out and doing things that, that are totally against what God would have me do, and I was living for nothing but me and myself, and the only thing I really cared about was, was numero uno, look out for number one. Even then, I can look back and I can show you the points where God was leading me even when I wasn't following. And if God can lead me to this point right here, given His message today, when I wasn't even consciously following Him, if God can lead me then, how much more will He lead me whenever I'm trying to follow? I can't make a wrong turn. Because God works for the good in all things for those that believe in Christ Jesus. Has the devil deceived you? Has he confused you and think that you've lost the way? He will try to convince you that you are weak. You know what? I, I think that every man has that fear that he's not going to be able to defend his family or, or you know, he's going to let his family down or they're going to go hungry or, or whatever. I mean, Grandma Chloe was telling me this morning about in 36, whenever they moved to Colorado, you know, they had a green bean to go by and they're all supposed to pick 100 pounds of green beans a day. It can be hard. And that's a fear that we have that we're not going to be strong enough to defend or to protect or to provide for. And the devil, guys, I'm telling you, he will work on you day and night. You're weak. You can't do it. Man, you're just getting lucky. Any moment, everything's going to fall apart. Do not listen to those lies. The devil will try to confuse you to think that you've lost the way, that you don't know where you're going. He will try to convince you that you are weak. He will try to conjure up the notion that you're not good enough for the kingdom of God. You know what? I get so sick and tired of that excuse when people say, well, you know what? Hey, you know, I, I'm, I've done too many bad things to be a Christian. That's believing the devil's lies over God's promises because I guarantee you, Jesus himself said, I came to save the lost sinners. You look at any time in Scripture when he's talking to the Pharisees who thought they were good enough... He told them that they wasn't good enough, but the kingdom of God will be inherited by those that call on Him as Lord and Savior. And if you don't need saved, then you never were a sinner. He Himself said, I have come, come to proclaim the good news to the lost, to the hurting, and to sinners. But the devil will try to convince you that you cannot be good enough to enter the kingdom of God. Or I, I, had, a, I had an email from a guy the other day. 
He's being called in to, to, to do some things for God, but he doesn't think he's worthy. And I'm like, you know what? The only God, the only one that God said wasn't worthy were those that thought that they were good enough to do it on their own instead of relying on Jesus. You can't do nothing bad enough, and I'm here to tell you that if you think that God, that you've done too many things to be able to walk with God and everything, that's like looking up at that cross and saying, you know what, God, I appreciate what you've done up there, both nails through the hands and living a perfect life and everything, but it wasn't enough for me. Well, it was more than enough. Not just enough for past sins, but for future also. He will try to confuse you that you've lost your way. He will try to convince you that you are weak. He will try to conjure up the notion that you're not good enough for the kingdom of God. And he will try to communicate to you that you are powerless and everything you do will end in failure. That's not what the good news says. That's not what Jesus says. He says, you can do all things. Paul said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We have overcome absolute victory. No doubt of outcome. The devil is defenseless. And we have absolute success and overwhelming annihilation of his deceptions. Has he been lying to you? When you think about your walk with God, do you think, oh man, you know, I just, I'm always messing up. I'm always this or that or this. Man, that's just the devil opening his mouth and lying to you. But in verse 10, the Bible gives us the answer to all these deceptions. It says, then I heard in a loud voice in heaven saying, now. That means that it wasn't there before, okay? Anytime you, some versions say, finally, this version says, now. Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. And that's how we defeat those lies. Do not believe that lie that you are lost and alone for salvation has come. Jesus said, I have come to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you so. He has paved the way. You can't get lost from him. He is everywhere at every time. It's not a matter of what you do. The only thing that we need to do is rely on Him and His finished work on the cross. And wasn't that one of His last words? His next to last words? It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. Everything that needed to be done has already been done, and it was done on the cross. But that devil will try to lie to you and tell you, well, you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you're worthless. And I, It's all lies. Do not believe the, the lie that you are lost and alone for salvation has come. Why? Because the Bible tells us that. Now salvation has come. Do not believe the lie that you are weak because it says now salvation and now strength has come. You are made strong through Christ, not by your own works, but by Him that lives in you. Satan is powerless against Him. He was overcome by the blood of the Lamb, and yet we sit there and we would rather listen to the devil's lies that we are weak and powerless in all of this instead of just relying on something. We can squash him like, we can squash those lies like an ant. Do not believe the lie that you are not good enough. The kingdom of God resides in us. You are good enough because Jesus was good enough. Do not believe the lie that you are powerless and everything you do will fail. Because the Bible says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. And that's how we overcome. That's how we're given the strength to battle all of the devil's lies. Do you believe, truly believe, that living for Christ is the best way? Because you can't have one foot in and one foot out. Do you believe, or, and I guess I'm just going to ask the question just plain as day. I'm not going to try to, you know, go around this way or go around that way or, or try to come at you through the, uh, through the back. I'm just going to come right out and I'm going to ask this question. Do you truly believe that living for Christ is the best way to live? Or have you been deceived into thinking that Christianity is for sissies and girls? 
And that's one of the greatest things, one of the greatest lies the devil has convinced us that in order to be a Christian, that you got to be all nice and turn the other cheek and let people beat the crud out of you and just, you know, you can't ever mess up. You just got to go to church all the time. No, man, that ain't, that ain't authentic Christianity. That's stupid stuff. Those are lies that the devil plays. Man, if you want to ride for Christ, only the tough will be able to get into heaven. There will not be a single sissy in heaven. Are you tough enough to overcome the devil's lies about what it means to follow Jesus? And let me tell you how I know that, because in Revelations 3, 5, Jesus says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. He who overcomes, in other words, he who is tough enough to stand against this world and everything that it stands for, the devil will try to tell you that your your worth lies in, in what you drive or how much money you have or what kind of clothes you wear or, you know, do you talk just right or do you not talk right and everything. The only thing you want to talk about double tough is to depend on God every single second for everything that you have and everything that you are and only find your worth in who he says you are hi this is lovey weatherby i call myself the worst preacher's wife ever but kevin calls me his better half confused yet well you shouldn't be all you need to do is go to savethecowboy.com and you can find links to our live church broadcast each sunday morning or you can go back and listen to this service or any others that you missed. Did you know My Man is the author of four books? You can find them all, as well as sermons on CD, by clicking on the store link at SaveTheCowboy.com. On behalf of Kevin and Save the Cowboy, thanks for listening. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.